to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 9, Episode 2, Budget Cuts. Mary, what happened this week? Hi, so first today, we have a bunch of content warnings for discussions of sexual abuse, gun violence, and suicide. Please continue at your discretion. We'd much rather you be safe than listen. The Wyatt Foundation cuts the... Oh my god, I got... Trying that again. The Wyatt Foundation cuts the clinic's budget, and the bearer of bad news recommends Kelly start cutting staff and hours. Instead, she goes to Brandon at the Beverly Beat to share the story and help her organize a charity auction. It'll be great. The Beat will ask their advertisers for donations. Donna will contribute her clothing designs. David will get a job. Val won't be there because she's got her own stuff. Sophie will say the wrong thing and be swiftly corrected by Janet. She'll also play with Steve's heart while trying to make David kiss her and give Kelly some weird advice to make Brandon jealous of John Chronicle in the amount of $1,000. I swear that'll make sense when we talk about it. All in all, the fundraising is helpful, but Kelly will still need to let someone on the staff go. Since everyone is so important to the clinic's efficiency, she says, I choose me. Yes. (laughs) What if this woman was like, that's not how this works here? (laughs) What if, like, every time this woman, who is um, not Pam, by the way, I was like, who are you? Never seen you before. Maybe we have. But every time this woman comes in, the person who, like, has to make the budget cuts just nopes right out of there and is like, (laughs) I can't do it. Me. (laughs) And they're like, we keep hiring this person. Then they immediately fire themselves. It's great for the budget, but we're not getting anything done. Exactly. I mean, tell you what, you know how you save budget? You turn this meeting into a phone call. Oh, my God, right? Like, whatever consultant or, like, I don't even know what this woman's role is, but clearly the Grim Reaper when it comes to trying to get the budget squared away. I don't you're an accountant do you ever have to tell people like hey you have to start cutting people no no that is thankfully (laughs) never going to be my job ever but this woman shows up and is like I've already talked to Dr. Martin so she showed up had two meetings with two separate people like Mm -hmm. girl have a conference call I've called you all here today to tell you right you've cut 20 percent of your budget but that doesn't give us the drama of Kelly having to figure out should she cut a nurse or should she raise some funds? (laughs) Which is also insane that (laughs) what is her full plan here? She finds out she has to do these budget cuts. She doesn't want to. So her first idea is to throw a last minute charity auction and also publicly shame the foundation. Yeah. So that they give her more money. Yeah, like, pretty much. They're like, look at all the money I can raise, and you guys continue to do, to do this forever and ever. Don't do it this time. I just, like, it doesn't make any sense to me that this was how this budget cuts thing worked out. I kind of wish it had happened differently, or, like, if it was going to be budget cuts with the Wyatt Clinic, that we actually focused on the Wyatt Clinic. Right. Well, it was... Interesting, too, because literally this woman who I don't even know gets a name. Like I don't I, think she does. Oh, she's Audrey, which now that I see her name in Was the she the one? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Back when she we had the, the other doctor? Yes, I think so. Yes. Yes. She was the okay. gotcha doctor or whatever. Yes. Um, okay, now I remember her. So apologies, Audrey, a.k.a. Pat Crowley. Crowley. Um, but she pretty much lays out what Kelly should do. She's like, you have to make cuts, but also I'm telling you this now so that you have time to apply for grants. And Kelly's like, no, (laughs) I'm going to have a fundraiser and I'm going to publicly shame the board. That's what I'm going to do. Not apply for grants. I don't like it. (laughs) I mean, she literally quits her job to avoid applying for grants. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. But so tell me about this. So she makes all these decisions. She goes to the Beverly Beat where she and Brandon have this really awkward like oh, hi, you know, I wanted to call, but you said not to. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. But it sounds like now Brandon is chasing Kelly. Okay, I had the same thought. I don't know if it was specifically in this scene, but there was a couple of scenes later where I definitely thought that. And, oh, yeah, it was like not this first Beverly Beat scene, but the second one, because when Kelly makes a snide comment about like, oh, I shouldn't do anything with you that's legally binding or whatever. I was like, ooh, yeah, she's still hurt at the fact that he turned her down, even though they mutually agreed not to get married, da-da-da-da-da. He suggests they work together, but it was not until the next scene when she was reading over the notes that he put together, he kept kind of, like, gassing Kelly up, flattering her. Like, I would say flirting, but it wasn't – it all seemed very genuine, so it didn't Mm -hmm. seem like lines. But, yeah – he was like, or, or she said, don't do that. Stop, like, telling me all these things that are nice about me. And I was like, I thought he didn't want to be with her, not that she didn't want to be with him. Yeah. So I got very confused. Yeah. Two episodes ago, neither of them wanted to be together. Last right. episode, he didn't want to be with Kelly, but she wanted to be with him. And this episode, he wants to be with her, but she doesn't want to be with him. Yeah. Because, so yeah. Very it, weird. It, Yeah, at this point, I was like, I appreciate how hard this is for them that Kelly has decided this is what she wants to do because they hadn't talked about the charity auction yet. So I thought she was applying for grants and also like drumming up public support because having Mm -hmm. the public support would really help in that. Right. But then, yeah, later on when she's like, oh, don't do that. I knew this was going to happen. Completely lost it. And like – I wonder if they had to make it like that because for the drama of, like, her kissing him is less um, aggressive than if he were to, like, force mm-hmm. the kiss on her. You know what I mean? Because, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's a weird dynamic that is very gender rolesy that Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with, but I also kind of agree with it in the sense that, like, Brandon's, you know, as a male, he's more physically imposing, even though he's five foot two. And (laughs) just kidding. Sorry, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) But it does seem better from a drama perspective if she were to be the one to be like, all of this flirting slash genuine compliments is getting to me, so therefore I'm going to kiss you than if it was the other way around. So yeah. For sake of plot, I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm on board. Whatever. (laughs) That's the thing. Whatever. Like, you've already lost me in this whole conversation. So, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Because then, so 
this is not actually the first scene that Steve is in, but this is where I've realized after, you know, getting reintroduced to multiple characters that this is technically the first like brand new season thing, right? Like our, our last season ended on the wedding and then the season premiere for season nine opens straight on that same day. So this is the first time that anybody's had a chance to get new hair and they made a really bad decision with Steve. I know. Like, and at first I couldn't even really tell what they did with him. You know, like I was like, did they cut it? Did they highlight it? Like, did they bleach it? And I think they just put a bunch of product in his hair and laid it down. (laughs) Yeah. They like cut it really short and then like flattened it out. And it's like a one quarter inch bang. (laughs) Yeah. It is so bad. It kind of looks like ramen noodle hair, but less ramen noodle hair, you know? It feels like a very late 90s, early 2000s haircut that he just should not have done. Yeah. Like, this this doesn't fit your face. I don't know who you were trying to be, but this isn't right. Right. And, okay, so at this point, they start asking him about the charity auction, and they want to, you know... Everyone's ready to pitch in and do all this stuff to help Kelly with the charity auction. But when Steve goes, oh, you know, big charity auction, you're going to need an auctioneer. I really thought he was nominating himself. But then he goes, you should ask David to do it. Yeah. Because he so. says that he was too busy trying to woo this other girl. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's, I guess that tracks. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Like, again, we're just never going to mention him again in this episode because he doesn't do anything. I know. He really doesn't. He does nothing. He had a chance right here to be on screen, calling about the auction, being the auctioneer, whatever. But no. And I think we cut pretty far ahead at this point because the next time we see Kelly and Brandon is when she's reading all of his interviews for the article but she's quiet and he's nervously going around her saying oh these are just notes we can change anything if you want yeah right and this is where they get so emotionally into the moment and each other and she kisses him and bails and yeah that's at the moment where I was like I'm a little confused about the shift in who wants to be with the other person who doesn't want to be with the other blah 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 but like it was fine, you know, like, it it made sense, like, I could go with it, like we said, but it was then at the next scene where we see them at the beach apartment where Brandon almost, like, he goes to see Kelly on the premise of doing more interviews. He's like, where mm-hmm. are you? I've been at the Beverly Beat waiting for you to do more interviews, you know, get more, do more, like, have more progress being made on this on this article. But instead of, like, Kelly addressing this with Brandon or even giving him the courtesy to call she's just like oh by the way I stopped by the LA Chronicle and asked them to do it instead and told them that they that you would give them your notes what (laughs) okay I just realized this is like very similar to the story we've always had with Brandon and Kelly like Maybe not always, but since the newspaper, the current era where they can't communicate, they just talk through Brandon's articles because right. 
<laughs> she shows up earlier, won't have a conversation with him. She just wants his help on this article. When she reads his article, she gets so emotionally overcome, she kisses him. Then yep. she refuses to talk to him about kissing him and says that she'll take all of his article stuff and give it to this guy at the LA Chronicle. Mm -hmm. And then even later, they continue to not talk about this over and over. It's just... Okay. When I texted you guys last night and I was like... <laughs> This is such a classic 9021 episode in good ways and horribly, horribly bad. This was one of the good ways because, like, as frustrating as it is for them to not talk, there's a scene at the very end between the two of them that we'll get to that is just so, so good. I'm like, mm -hmm. if you guys talk, you're productive. If you guys get to a place where you can be honest with each other and come to some sort of, like, stable ground, it's wonderful. But I will admit it pays off better if we have this, like, oh, we don't talk. Oh, we can't communicate. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Like, drama. It, it does pay off better. So that's why I was like, it's it sucks in the moment, but it, the payoff is so good. Yeah. And I don't know any other way that I would want this payoff to happen. Like, I agree yeah. that they need they need this kind of stuff where they're, like, still trying to figure out how to be around each other after a breakup in both – professional and personal lives like I'm pretty sure in that first scene at the Beverly Beat when Steve Firks walks in he's like oh my gosh Kelly I haven't seen you in so long mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. but we go back to the Beverly Beat this next day and the guy from the LA Chronicle comes in his name is John Wakefield I love that he walks in and he's like oh yeah I'm from the LA Chronicle you got a good little paper going on here dude like, <laughs> it was so condescending, but like in a, condescending. you got a great little p thing. I'm so proud of you. It was John descending. <laughs> <laughs> and like literally to the point that he's like, yeah, I'm going to write a few lines for this. It's going to get in the paper. It's not going to be this whole article that you think you really have going on. You know what? Keep your notes. What's the deal with the girl? Dude, like, it, I, I understand why this is here, mm -hmm. because it sets up for later, but I was like, why is he more concerned with asking out a girl? He doesn't, first of all, doesn't know, literally just sees her. Like, I'm like, how often does this happen where people just want to ask out people just based solely on looks alone? And maybe I'm just, like, that insecure because I'm like, I don't know that that would happen to me. But, like, does it? Is this what happens if somebody sees somebody that are like, I'm going to ask you out without knowing a single shred of anything about you? Well, and think about the fact that he's about to just completely do the opposite of what she's asked him to do for exactly. help. And thinks he's still going to get a date out of it. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, we're set up not to like him. He's set up just to be like this foil to make Brandon and Kelly both realize feelings in general. It's just the amount of bronze there on this guy. I was so like, much. Either you have tanned so much that you are like borderline leathery skin, you have hit the spray tan so hard that. That's just how your face looks now. Or you're bronzing. 
And I couldn't decide which was which because the hair color was what was throwing me off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I do wonder, because I just have no idea about this, how spray tan looked at this point. Like, Because right. I feel like we were still pretty orange going into the 2000s. I don't think they would really figured out the spray yet. No, I think you're right. And to that point, tanning beds were still like at so the height of their popular. I mean, God, I remember my mom used to hit the tanning bed all the time. I'm so glad we weren't born at that time because like, dude. Yeah, thank God we were like between the ages of like five and like 10 when that mm-hmm. craze was happening. Somehow in, I don't know, 48 hours, we've managed to put together a fundraiser. But I will say in my notes, I wrote this fundraiser is so bad. Like, it doesn't seem like the people at the auction care. They're, like, really not paying attention. David mm-hmm. sounds so bored as he's reading oh out all God. of this stuff. You, yes. this is a silent auction until later. Like, the models look bored when he announces the trip to New York City. The woman carrying it is just, like, holding it. She's just like, whatever. <laughs> you can have a trip to New York. I don't care. It's so bad. Yeah, it just, like you said, everybody seems bored and uninterested, and it seems really disorganized, and, like, when Sophie's there, which I know we'll talk about her later, but, like, Sophie's somehow invited to all this, and she's in the back, she's in the ladies' dressing room with Kelly, Donna, and Janet, and she just, like, offers to wear Kelly's dress, and, and Janet immediately shuts her down, which is great. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> but it was so awkward. And then all of a sudden, randomly, Brandon just waltzes into the ladies' dressing room. And I'm like, what if they were in states of undress? Like, this – so it was – it was just also awkward, bored, and uncomfortable was where I was. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, the – even the idea of – making it that the big finale of the fashion show is going to be Kelly's wedding dress, which yeah, <laughs> somehow we have managed to get the department store to give again to us. Like, hey, let me just borrow that. You're going to lose business for a day, but don't worry. We've got Donna Martin, who is already taking off. She mentions at some point while setting up this fashion show that she is like completely swamped with her own orders. Yep. And I'm like, you're ending on a wedding dress that, like, sorry and no, absolutely no offense to Donna, but that Donna made, not a Vera Wang or something like that. When you could have left for the grand finale, that six-day or six-night trip to New York. (laughs) I know. The idea that the grand finale is the wedding dress made by nobody. Yeah. Like... And a six-day or seven-day, six-night trip to New York is going to cost way more than the $500 they would have maybe gotten for the dress. That's what I was thinking. Which, yeah, spoiler alert, when Kelly does come out in it later and they start the auction, uh, presumably Brandon wins for $1,000 for Kelly, which he doesn't have, and there's no one that buys the dress. That we know of because it's a silent auction. And I'm like, how does a silent auction work when you're modeling Mm -hmm. off everything? It was a silent auction until the fashion show. You probably missed it because Uh, David said it like this. (laughs) He did, though. 
Because, yeah, it turns out that John Wakefield has also shown up here. And he and Brandon get into it. That's when Brandon goes back to the dressing room. And then Sophie, in her brilliant decision-making, tells Kelly that she should put the dress on to show Brandon what he's missing. Which, again, based on his behavior this uh, episode, he already knows what he's missing because he's been hitting <laughs> yeah. on her. And they mutually agreed to break up. So being like, yeah, show him what he's missing. Kelly shouldn't be doing that. She shouldn't feel the need to. Yeah, it's like they both know what they're giving up, but yet they're both supposed to be made to feel jealous. And uh, yeah, again, the payoff later is great because the conversation at the very end is what's so good about 90210 but it just doesn't like the fact that he gets so jealous so fast I would have almost liked it better if it was some sort of way to like reveal John Wakefield as being a kind of a terrible person instead of Brandon being jealous like I don't know how they would have done that so maybe like maybe it just wouldn't have worked regardless but the, the whole jealousy thing, the show him what he's missing. It's like he already knows. They already know. They are. They've come to terms with this. They they can still be jealous, sure, but like to this level, right? And like we still don't have a really good, I guess, uh, feel about what Sophie is. Is she supposed to yeah. be a Val replacement that just shows up and messes with a bunch of people and like inserts herself in the group? Is right that why we care at all about what she says here right right is that why her opinion matters more than somebody like janet you know like yeah why would kelly listen to this random person here yeah it's like it would have made more sense like remember um in season eight when val and i've already forgotten her name um the uh noah's ex not ex, yes like friend from um Gwyneth in love with him Gwyneth. Gwyneth oh my god with two ends get it. yeah with two ends um when it made more sense when Val was the one whose opinion mattered to Gwyneth because Gwyneth was like you know nobody knew her she didn't know the history but Gwyneth already had ulterior motives that Val mm-hmm. just like exacerbated but in this regard yeah it's like why would Kelly a mainstay care about a person she doesn't know at all yeah it's it's weird to me, and it, I don't know. I've never heard about Sophie as a character like I've heard about other characters. Like right. when, you know, we had other people for longer arcs. Like we haven't heard about mm-hmm. this actress who played Sophie getting fired for something or like being intended as a replacement. So I just don't know why she matters. I just don't yeah. get it. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, and then the other – I get like, is it worth talking about David just failing upward again? Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> when the guy just randomly shows up and is like, "I get dragged here, but your music is great." Didn't sound yeah. great. Yeah. And then he just gives David his card to go back and work at the radio. I guess. Which, <laughs> I mean, I guess college radio is better than nothing. But if David was upset about writing jingles, why would he be okay with college radio DJing? Exactly. Like it, and. Who in the world would have been like, oh, my God, that guy's emceeing the hell out of this event. I need to lock that down. Like, 
his first day, everyone's going to fall asleep and there's just going to be massive car accidents everywhere. And be like, this is the most boring radio station I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he needs to be like, um, God, what's his name from Parks and Rec? The, his, <laughs> yeah. He's like Herb Erlinger or something like that. Or no, that's from Schitt's Creek. It's like, yeah, God. no, it's a, something in the douche or something. No, but yes, those guys, but then the other one that's so like, um, monotone oh, the npr one uh-huh uh-huh that's what yeah like. okay <laughs> god he wishes he was npr monotone right but somehow all of this works out for everybody i mean brandon gets his wish that john wakefield just disappears we never see him again in this episode he doesn't get the date with kelly and right. david got a job offer i guess at least out of this and then I already forgot her name. The woman with the foundation. Audrey. Audrey shows back up at the Wyatt Foundation and is like, all right, Kelly, you win. You don't have to shut down or downsize as much. I don't know. Well, and it was like interesting to me that and and, and I don't they don't really reveal this, but I'm like, is Kelly's salary enough to enough of the cut in budget to make sense or is somebody else going to have to come in and still continue to make cuts that was the thing that got me is at this point even if kelly's salary is enough to manage this she's an office manager basically she does so right. much so like they're gonna have to hire somebody else to replace her right right because like even when she said like audrey specifically was like start with the nurses which I understand this is more of a foundation clinic, like it's it's more of a nonprofit type situation. I would I'm still like nurses can make a crap ton of money. So if she not only said nurse, but multiple nurses, there's no way Kelly is making the same or more than a nurse. Mo yeah, like absolutely much not. less two nurses, you know? So it just I understand it was it was less about the actual pragmat pragmatism about it and more about the the difference and the point that she was trying to make of saying like, look, I don't want to be involved in a place that is constantly going to be in threat of shutting down, blah blah blah. I'm more important in the impact that we can you know blah 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 blah. So that was the whole mm -hmm. point, and and so I get it, and I love 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 that Mary was like, this is an I choose me moment, and <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> It's so good. It really actually fits the story. It does, yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, I bet there's also a little bit of meta-ness. Like we had talked about last time how we were like, yeah. oh, budget cuts. That's why they only have 28 episodes this season yeah. or whatever. But I bet there's also budget cuts as in we can't afford this set and these stories anymore. So we have to consolidate and send Kelly to like go work with Donna because Donna is so swamped. Right. Right. Like, yeah, there's got to be some sort of like maybe on location as opposed to a stage, you know, mm -hmm. like because that's why we have David's house on a stage and the Walsh house is like an actual mm -hmm. location. But they've had that location for years at this point. So, no, it makes perfect sense. And that would, yeah, it could be that sort of like meta idea of like, well, here's an explanation as to why we're leaving this spot for now. Um, <laughs> but kind of continuing the whole I choose me like Kelly had two in this 
because like it was this and then we finally get the payoff scene with kelly and brandon on the beach it's like after their date that brandon bought for a thousand dollars which is hilarious. there's no way brandon does not have a thousand dollars he just paid for this wedding i refuse to believe it exactly he literally and told kelly don't worry about it i will pay for the wedding yeah right no right. way he does not have a thousand dollars no way. There's no way. But apparently, like, he took the high road here and ended up giving Wakefield the entire, like, all of his, He basically wrote the article for him just so that he would publish it in the Chronicle. And mm-hmm. that actually makes sense to me. Because on the one hand, it does feel very Brandon to kind of, like, want to control the narrative in a way. Not in, like, a bad way, but just, like, I want to make sure this is written the way that it needs to be. And number mm-hmm. two, if Wakefield admitted he was only going to write, like, two lines about it, this is a way to be, like, literally here. Like, I wrote this all for you. All you have to do is just send it to editing. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. Well, and, you know, we've seen Brandon before care a lot about bylines and getting yeah. more famous as a journalist. The fact that he's doing this, just giving his incredibly well-written article to the Chronicle for nothing. No pay, no byline, no recognition like that means a lot for brandon in general right right Mm -hmm. and like proves to kelly that like he really did write this for the good of the article rather than any kind of way any kind of like jealous way that was the reason he quote unquote bought a date with her at the auction Mm -hmm. like it shows kelly like oh no you actually cared about this article despite the fact that it had to do with me and presumably, he now knows that she has left the foundation. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, going off of that, like, he didn't do this because of jealousy. He did this for the good of needing to do it. Like, he admits. He was like, I got jealous. This is why this happened. But I'm finally understanding that you're going to need to move on. And one day you're going to wear that dress or something like it and walk down an aisle towards someone else who's not going to be me. And I'm going to hate it. But. He's not going to be me. And I loved this. It was perfect. Like, this was the closure that they needed. The acknowledgement Mm -hmm. that they they both agree they are not going to be together. But, or I guess, and, it'll hurt both of them to see them with somebody else. It's also okay. It just, mm-hmm. the sting is very real. The wound is still real, but don't worry. We will both heal and we were, we will both move on. And I loved yeah. it. Oh, I loved it. And I love that, like, they acknowledge. She's like, I'm not going to go to dessert with you. I'm just going to walk home myself. You don't even have to take me. But, like, not because it's like, no, don't walk me home. It's, I'm just going to walk myself. It's so close. You go your way. I'll go mine. Like, I, I loved me. the closure. <laughs> <laughs> God. I mean, I cannot wait. I wish we could hear the conversation where Brandon called Dylan and was like, ask me how many times Kelly dumped me. Just ask. Right? <laughs> this week, ask me how many times she dumped you. me. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And yeah, I guess I can't wait to see what Kelly does next week. It's been a while since Kelly's been the one who didn't have a job. Or the one that wasn't in a relationship. Yeah, also very true. Oof, it's going to be so weird for her to date again. I just kind of want her to be in her single era for a little while. Like, 
kind of do the Steve thing that Janet is trying to get Steve to do, where it's like, be friends with somebody first and then date them. Which, he does try. I'll give him that. I guess. He's just trying with, like, date first, be friends later. Like, he keeps pushing the date stuff, whereas I feel like Kelly actually has the mental and emotional capacity to be like, no, no, I just got off of a fresh, like, really intense emotional relationship where we literally almost got married. I need to be friends with the guy and really know that it's right before I enter into this. Whereas Steve is just like, girl, date only. No friend. <laughs> I mean, I really hope so, but I we'll see with Kelly. Yeah. I feel like they're going to be like, she's too pretty. We can't leave her alone. <laughs> True. <laughs> Every time she tries to get a job, she accidentally walks out with a date. She's like, why does this keep happening to me? I mean, literally, that would be like season – I guess seven, where it felt like she dated, like, so many different people. Like, the guy from her rehab, like, mm, that other yeah. guy that I can't remember his name. Like, so many unforgettable people. Or so many forgettable people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, unforgettable. Yeah, that guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, are we ready to move on? Yep. If y'all are ready to get sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights, like coming to visit me in Amsterdam. And really, everything you just mentioned benefits me. I genuinely feel better after using Liquid IV. I'm refreshed, I'm hydrated, and I feel like I can conquer the day just like Brandon Walsh. Or Volleyball Steve. <laughs> I especially love the new flavor, Seaberry, especially during the summer so I can pretend like I'm on a tropical island. Or I'll go with an iconic classic, like the Beverly Beach Club, with a lemon-lime flavor while I'm waiting for the grunions to run. Also, it's pretty neat that Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code 90210. That's 90210. At checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code 90210 at liquidiv.com. Mary. What happened this week? Desperate to be understood, Valerie decides she wants to confess to her mom that she killed her dad and invites her to visit so they can talk about it. Except mom brings her new boyfriend, sorry, fiancé, Carl, along, the cop version of the UPS guy from Legally Blonde slash Joe's brother. At first, Val's irritated by his presence, but finds she can relate to him as people who have taken the life of someone they know personally. Val and Mom have another difficult conversation before the visits end, and Mom agrees to stay in town a little longer so they can work through and move on from their trauma. You know, if I had any faith that Val would actually be given a chance to work through and move on from her trauma, I would maybe be okay with this. But I hated every second of it. Every single second. I mean, yeah, 100%. Like, I gotta admit, like, If they were truly planning for Valerie to be a Brenda replacement, they would have remembered when Brenda, 
that short, short time went to therapy and it was productive. And they would have said, you know what? We got to put Val in therapy about this. But they made her character so against therapy that she, like, not love bombs, but, like, trauma bombs the Mm -hmm. hell out of David. And then tries to work with her mother, who is incredibly emotionally unavailable. So it's like, I understand why they did it. It just sucks. <laughs> like, it is, they retconned her, they changed her trauma, and turned it into something else when they could have just kept the point, and they didn't. That's the thing. It was already bad enough. Why did we have to add a bunch of other things on top of it? What was the point here? Exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah, because, like you said about, you know, all the trauma dumping, That's how this opens again is David's trying to talk to Val because he's the only one that she will talk to, but she doesn't listen to him. And And I don't understand why she believes that he's some sort of like oracle of pain. Like I I understand he's been through a lot, so maybe that's the way that they're trauma bonding. Mm -hmm. But he, and I, I hesitate to bash david too much mm-hmm. because i think val isn't realizing that like david they're the same age or you know year apart he is not the expert on any of this he is he is not uniquely qualified to be able to help you and so his mm-hmm. attitude makes sense and actually is probably the more healthy way to approach this because he's trying to set boundaries but it's just not clear, right? Like, it's not clear that he doesn't – it seems more like he's dismissing her as opposed to, like, encouraging her away from him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's still trying to help her, but, yeah, it's being chipped away. He's being worn down. Like, he still has a few moments where he tells her he's, like, it's a full-time job hating yourself. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Just – right. Go talk to a lawyer. Get this out in the open. You don't have to keep hiding all these secrets. And Val is just barely listening to him. I mean, he tells her, like, don't rely on your mom. Abby's never been there for you in the past. Why do you really need this from her now? But then as soon as Abby shows up at the door, Val throws herself at her mom and is like, I really needed you. Right. And then Carl walks in and Abby is just – she doesn't say this, but she's got a very, like, whatever you want to say, you can say in front of Carl, but, like, yeah. don't really say anything that you shouldn't say in front of Carl kind yeah, of thing. It's like, it's like you can say anything in front of us except this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, I'm just going to throw a couple of the things with Sophie in as they happen because yeah. I don't care I mean, literally the first scene we see her in is with Steve, where Steve is chauffeuring her to campus. He's doing all this stuff. Like you said, he's like trying to get the date. But like there is a little of it that kind of seems friendly where he's taking her to campus. He used to go to see you. Maybe he's trying to walk her around. And I guess she's conning the money out of CU too because she gets her loan And then immediately cashes it out as a $5,000 check, which, like, gotta be honest, that's not getting you anywhere in a California university. Well, and I'm like, because that was part of her list, right? 
steal money from school or whatever. It was, yeah, get money from school question mark, I think. (laughs) And so I'm like, how are you going to do this again? Like, the idea is that you're going to replicate this. Like, I guess keep taking out loans and then just cashing them immediately. But, like, I don't think she understands what a loan is. Like, it's not just a check to you. It's like you've got to pay that back eventually. And she's maybe she's thinking, like, long game here. I'll get famous, pay it back. It'll be easy. But I'm like, no, girl, that interest accrues. Like, (laughs) I know, talking about things where we're, like, looking at it with 2023 brain, 2024 brain, I'm just, like, run from student loans. They're so bad. (laughs) What are you doing? It's so funny when she, like, goes inside to pick up her student loan. I was like, huh? (laughs) Yeah, this, too, where they were just like, oh, yeah, we put $5,000 in your account and you can draw down on it for books. I was like, you mean book? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you hand her one of her science books because she's like a yeah. biology graduate yeah. student or something, right? But yeah, she pulls it all out in cash and then later on she immediately like takes it out shopping and David runs yeah. into her because he's also looking for a job and he starts pulling her stuff out of her bags and just looking at the price tags. And then she tells him, like, she wants to be famous. And David's like, do you act? Do you sing? Do you dance? Do you, like, literally listing? Do you model? Like, everything. And she's like, no. (laughs) And he's like, well, what are you going to be famous for? She's like, being me. I'm like, oh, honey. (laughs) She's just a few years too early for reality TV. like Or, like, influencer culture. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at this point, you know, MTV probably had a couple things out. I mean, I know the real world had been going for like six or seven years here, but nobody was like Lauren Conrad or Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton levels of being famous for being them. I guess Lauren did things more than the other two did. Yeah, eventually. I don't know. Yeah. Eventually. Like it took time. I was say I think all of them just were famous for being them and then did yeah. things afterwards. And so, yeah, Sophie's just out here a couple years too early. Right, exactly. And there's, like, a brief moment where David tries to be a good friend, but, like, it's still kind of flirty because he pulls all this stuff out of Sophie's bag and says how Steve is sleeping on the couch because he's trying to be good to her and thinks she has no money. But Sophie's right. like, I told him he could have the bed. That's not my problem. Yeah, she keeps, like, dodging her real intentions and, like, David's kind of seeing through her, which I thought was interesting. Um, But but at the same time, triangle that they're making. I just, it's gross and I don't care enough about any of the characters to care. Like, if it was not David and Steve, or if I cared about the girl on top of it, like, maybe it was David, Steve, and Janet, I'd be like, first of all, both of you get away from her, but second of all, I care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, okay, there's one more scene with Sophie and David that night that I want to talk about because, like, we're kind of really solidifying Sophie, I think, now that I'm thinking about it, as, like, a manic pixie dream girl. Like, yeah, she doesn't have a job. She's just getting into all of this stuff because she has money or – not money. She has looks and, like, yeah. I guess enough street smarts to steal a robe and then take her top off. I think she's basically, like, diet ginger. Like, she's ginger, but not as diabolical. 
It's like she's more quiet about it. She's like calmer than Ginger. Ginger would blatantly like bust in like a tornado and lay everything out and almost be like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. You're going to know what I'm going to do, but you're still going to fall for it. Whereas Sophie is like, I'm going to establish myself and kind of reveal little bits and pieces, but I don't actually have a plan fully baked out. I'm just going to see what happens along the way. So, you know what I mean? It's like she's kind of a tame ginger. She's just so boring to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like her big evil is standing up Steve and bringing him breakfast and couch. Yeah. And then like just still being snuggly with him. Like. And her other big thing is, is, is getting David to basically steal robes with her to skinny dip. And then he skinny dips, but she doesn't like. (laughs) Yeah. He still hasn't seen boobies, but. Yeah. But she got him naked? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. No, she's not really. She She's diet. Like, we haven't gotten the full flavor yet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So elsewhere that night, this is Val is out to dinner with Abby and Carl. And <laughs> just a lot of information gets thrown at us all at once. We find out that Carl is a cop and that Abby has told Carl that Val's dad died in a car accident. And then when Carl goes to check on the table, we find out that Abby said those lies to Carl because if she said her husband killed himself, then the first thing that Carl would do is look at her as if she couldn't keep her husband happy. Dude, that logic was wild. Like the fact that I think she ends up saying, like, she couldn't make Val's dad happy, she couldn't keep him, and couldn't stop him. So I'm like, hold on. Like, you have an incredibly low self-esteem and self-worth that you're then projecting this onto pretty much every other partner, right? And so Mm -hmm. that makes sense in the situation, but I'm like, whoa, okay, there are bigger things at play here. Maybe you shouldn't be with anybody right now. Oh, but... That's not where Abby goes because Val is like, you can't lie to him. Like, we can't just do that. And Abby's like, oh, it's over. We're getting married. So this lie is here forever. And (laughs) then Val is like, oh, you're engaged again? And Abby's like, don't bring that up either. (laughs) Yes. Like, what can we bring up? Mother? And oh, my God. I forget what it was that, like, prompted Val to say this, but, like, she says something to Abby, and Abby's like, well, Carl would never abuse his authority. And Val goes, well, that's a departure from type. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you see these two together, like, Abby's behavior explains so much about how Val is who she is. Yeah. And then I really just wish that Val would see this and be like, why did I ever think that she was going to be the person to help me? Why do I feel like I have to talk to her? But that's not the case. She spends so much more of this episode desperately trying to get any sort of approval while her mother is just like, that hot young former cop really wants to be with me, so shut your trap. Yeah, Right, exactly. And, like, it skips a long way down before we actually see them again. There's, like, several, several scenes that happen. I mean, we see, like, like we mentioned – Sophie brings breakfast to Steve on the couch. I don't care. Basically, she lies about, like, who took her home, how she got home, like, what she's looking to do, like, la, la, la. 
lies about the fact that she had an ex in Boston. I don't care. But then, mm-hmm. you know, of course, the the fundraiser happens and things like that. But the ver- like, it takes a while to get back to Val. And when we finally do, it's at the Bellage Hotel where Abby has been staying. And Val goes by to talk and asks Carl to leave immediately. And I love that he's just like, all right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just walks out. <laughs> but this scene had potential to be really powerful and really empowering for Val. But instead, it's like, is this the scene where Abby slaps her for no yes. freaking reason? Abby slaps her. I Okay. I wrote that, like, Val barges in, makes Carl leave, and then Abby's like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. We just need to move on. So they right. both start yelling at each other. And then Abby slaps Val for threatening her father with going to the police. Right. Because I think this is when Val was like, he was threatening me. He said he would tell you and you would be mad at me. But then this is a complete retcon. Like we've re- we've yes. rewritten this entire thing where we find out that Abby knew and that she thought her husband was getting help and she didn't stop him. And – why? Why did we need to do this? Why did this need to change? We literally saw Val telling her mom and her mom having this like horrible, horrific realization that she failed her daughter. So she right. is so psychotic that she faked that. Right. right. What, like, what was the point? You know, like I, you know, because like still in this moment you think okay well well, all of this retconning all of this rewriting of history should then reveal val killing her dad like that Mm -hmm. like that's where we should go but we don't literally the end of the scene is abby revealing that she knew the whole time she didn't stop anything because she assumed he was getting help which like um clearly was not or it wasn't working then she simply asked why he killed himself. And I'm like, Val, this is your moment. This is your moment. And it just doesn't happen. And they they turn it into like Val can't talk to her mom or that her mom gets to be a victim in any way. Right. Because right. she was like, he was going to get help. We were going to be happy again. How could he mm-hmm. do this to us? And it just – Like – It was so not worth it. It was so – pointless the blame is placed on the wrong like the victimizing is placed on the wrong person yeah when you were saying that like this has the potential to be such a great scene it could have but they immediately threw that all out when they rewrote history again it's like (sighs) up until the slap i was like okay we're getting it we're gonna get it we're gonna get the good scene and then the slap happens. I'm like, nope. All right, the wheels are falling off. We're this is not going to end the way I want it to. And I was like, I just need, I just need to accept that. Like this is not going to end well for Val. Yeah, I mean, like, I hate to say it this way, but I'm kind of on the side of everybody else. Of let's just drop it and move on because it's never going to change in a good way. It's just going to change. Like, do you know that YouTube video? where somebody like dresses up as JK Rowling or like just puts on a blonde wig and they just keep like coming into rooms and being like Dumbledore is gay. 
Snape is Jewish. Like, it's just throwing in all of these retcons. People are like, oh my God, she's here again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like that they're just like, and now Val's a murderer. Why? Right. I don't know. Like, I thought it would be more forget, interesting. Yeah, like, let's, let's, you know, not forget, but let's, let's double down on the trauma of being molested as a child and now make her a killer and her feel guilty about that. Like, mm. I'm sorry. This is horrible. Horrible. No, they've they've gone, like, so far overboard with her. I don't think they know how to pull it back. Exactly. Oh, but we do get this scene after this. So Val goes from there to the pee pad. I don't think we ever actually see her go into no. the auction and the event, but that's presumably where she's going. Because there's even a moment where – I think Donna tells Kelly that Val's a no-show, and Kelly's like, for once, I actually feel bad for Val because she has to go see her mom. Exactly. Yep. Like, we even almost get moments where this could have been okay, and they just ruined it for me with how it happened with her mom. But then before Val makes it inside the pee pad, Carl shows up because he thinks that the reason that Val and her mom have been fighting so much is because Val doesn't like him. And the only reason I love this is because Val's response is, you're not even a speck in my universe. It was perfect. Like, that is my quote of the week. That is my quote of the week because it is so Val. And that's why I get so mad because sometimes – because they know Val. They figured her out. They – she's the best, most consistent character. And they completely do her dirty. Like, with this whole Mm -hmm. thing in this season, everything up to this point was great. And they had to, like, ruin it. And so the fact that she's like, you're not even a speck in my universe. I'm like, give me this. (laughs) Right? Like, I feel bad to an extent that it's her being so tired. She's like, I don't even have time to think about you. I couldn't care less about you, Carl. Right. But tell me what you think about Carl's story of killing someone. Because basically what happened is I I think he was on duty – and someone that he had gone to elementary school with had, like, broken in. And while he was investigating, this guy attacks him, but he had a gun, and Carl got the gun away from him and killed him and says it was his gun, his mistake, and he doesn't feel bad about it. Like, yeah, that's not good vibes, right? No, not at all. And even Val's like, this is wrong. Like, you shot him with his own gun? Like, well, he was trying he to get was, away? Yeah, like this reeks of bad. I feel like I can see what they were trying to go for, like in the sense that my life was in danger and I acted and that was the scenario and I wouldn't be here if I had acted differently. So I don't regret it. But the way that they chose to phrase it, I don't know. It's iffy. Yeah. Yeah. Very iffy. That's the thing. And they always do this. They, like, phrase it this horrible way. And then the next time we see Val talking to somebody, she tells David that she's seeing a professional. And she means Carl. She's talking to Carl about a man who professionally shot someone. So. Right. Like, we're supposed to. This is the point of the episode where. I really felt David's not lack of empathy, but just 
his capacity has waned. Like his mm-hmm. battery has gone down to empty, right? Or go, gone down to mm-hmm. low battery. It's like he wants to be there for her, for her because he's the only one that really is in the friend group, but he clearly is not equipped to handle this. And I think Ryan Austin Green played it correctly. It just on the surface could look like he is kind of a jerk about it, right? Like he doesn't sound empathetic. He is kind of he's giving her advice, but it's not really like super um he's not really um emphatic about it. Like he's not mm-hmm. tied to it necessarily. And so on the surface it just sounds like he would not care, but he's not the right person to help. Like so he keeps kind of telling her that in a way. He's like, you got to talk to somebody. Like, I don't know what to tell you, basically. You need to get help. But she she takes it the way I could totally understand. Mm-hmm. And is like, you're the only person I have. Like, you know, I'm sorry. She does the whole, like, I'm sorry I burdened you. You know, like, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, like, I get it. I totally understand it. It just... It's a rock and a hard place, honestly. Yeah. Well, and it's it's being in your early 20s and yeah. having this friend that has told you that they're going to be there for you, but the problem is you're just trauma dumping on them over and over and over again. Yeah. And like you said, like David does not seem animated. He seems like his batteries run out and she's just not seeing that. It's a very unhealthy relationship for them right now. Yeah. And – this is the thing, again, that gets me with the Sophie of it all because at one point, like, at the end of this, David's telling her he doesn't know what to do for her. He tells Val, what do you want me to do? And she's like, nothing. You're off the hook. Right. So he goes back to his house where Sophie is waiting for him and David says that he's lied about them to Steve. And Sophie was like, I thought we didn't have to lie because there is nothing and then they make out because she's – I I personally think that they make out because she's the easier choice. She's the fun choice. This right. is the – you know, you get to come in and do the fun things and be the fun girl. And then when it all falls apart because you can't just take out $5,000 loans over and over again for the rest of your life without consequences, you know, it'll backfire then. But right now she's the fun one and she's energizing David versus draining him. Right. Right. No, that's a good point. Also, with her hair color here, Uh she looks a lot like Donna. She does. You're right. She totally does. Like, she is just a very thin, kind of redheaded girl. She looks very much like Donna. Well, and I think, too, like, I I struggled in this, like, when when she's kind of going after David as opposed to Steve, because I – I don't really understand the appeal for Sophie's plan because mm-hmm. yes, I think David is easily manipulative or easily manipulated, but he's already like found her out. He's already like, you want to be famous based on nothing and you're spending money where you shouldn't and all this kind of stuff. And you're manipulating Steve. So to me, Steve's the better victim in a con because number one he's got money or at least his family does and number two steve clearly only is interested in her based on like having a relationship 
and he doesn't know any better. So I don't really understand why she's kind of tying her wagon to David when Steve seems like the more obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, it really has to come down to the fact that she thinks David's hotter because, and I guess thinking that him having that one song months ago is going to do the thing for her. But again, he's told her repeatedly he doesn't have a job. So I don't know where that's coming from. And I do think if she found out that Steve's mom was Samantha Sanders, that would change her tune a lot. Right. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Sophie's just a boring con woman. She just doesn't, we've we've done the con before. This one doesn't <laughs> yeah. appeal to me. Exactly. And then the last thing we see in the story is that it seems pretty obvious to me that Abby was going to leave without telling Val or saying goodbye to Val. Yep. And they have another conversation where Val talks about how she used to dress up in her mom's clothes and wear her perfume because she didn't like being a kid. And her mom's like, oh, well, you didn't get to be one for very long because you were abused. And I know about the abuse. I just hate that they're just throwing that at us repeatedly. But Val tells her that she understands that Abby – did everything she could and asks Abby to stay so that they can have more time together. I don't care. I don't know. It's I hated it's, it. It's, it's so going to hurt Val in the long run, and so I don't want to see it. Yeah. Same. Same. And, That's and all I have to say about that. Exactly. Mary, what else happened this week? <laughs> Noah spends some time with his dad, hoping to help his parents out with their financial situation. Dad says what he could have done is stayed with his family and learned the business and kept the company from being so bad at taxes, but whatever. Later, Dad comes back to spend some quality time with Noah, reminiscing and playing catch in the park. Noah keeps trying to offer help, growing angry at his dad's refusal to accept, and missing the signs that he's saying goodbye. Yeah, I gotta be honest, I also missed those signs, and it really oh, yeah. upset me. Same. Like, Because I was should have seen him off guard. Should have seen him. But again, I I was watching this on my iPad and John was on the other side of the room and I just kept going like, whoa. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, I can't even tell you. I cannot. Well, and I guess if like I had more time, I would have like gone back and seen if I would have been able to catch the signs. But like, yeah, it took me way off guard. Mm. I think if we had spent any time looking at it we would have seen it but I was spending so much time caring about what was going on with Val that I'm gonna give myself a little pass on this one because for sure yeah I didn't even catch it until like the very last moment before it happened yeah that's I think what should have tricked me but yeah but also like their scenes were so few and far between like he clearly wasn't the emphasis this episode and Mm -hmm. they had two other pretty large storylines that it like I I was looking over my notes just as we were kind of discussing I'm like I really don't have that much Noah in here I don't either because like you know the first conversation that we see honestly the thing I paid more attention to was the fact that Donna got bangs and like chunky highlights yep Adana has had a major makeover with her hair yep and Noah is like ruminating on what's happening with his family. He's like, my dad has to have a nest egg somewhere 
and I'm okay. I've got my job. I've got the boat. I just need to make sure that my parents need anything. So, like, I'm going to go check on them. Yeah. And then he does. He does go check on his dad. Hold on. Literally, like, that's the thing is, like, there's, like, almost a whole page of notes worth before we get to them again. And all it is is that Noah goes to see his dad while he's in a meeting with, I guess, I don't know, just people at his company. And says he wants to help, but it's a bad time because clearly he interrupted a meeting and his dad doesn't care. That's it. That's all I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. His dad was like, if you wanted to help, you should have started in the mailroom and taken the executive program and shadowed with me before so that when we needed you now, you were ready to help and then basically just sends him away. Right. And then we don't see him again for like a whole nother day. He shows up at the pee pad while they're getting ready for the event that night. And like Donna keeps encouraging Noah to talk to his dad. Like she literally shows up in scenes just to go do something else. I wonder yeah. if Donna's going to have a big story coming up. I hope so. Because <laughs> she, she literally just pops in and out. I'm realizing now that like she showed up with bangs just to talk to Dave, to Noah. She talks about the dresses. She's here for five seconds. But then she leaves so that no one can talk to his dad and his dad can be like, I really overreacted yesterday. I was a fool. Let's spend some time together. And so I bet this is the point where he's like started to realize the futility of trying to right. save the company and is starting to do his last few things. Yeah. Cause like they take a drive and I guess they go to a just a community ballpark or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're watching like some baseball game. Um and I got this is where like I think I think the problem is too is like me not seeing the signs is that I have such a bad taste in my mouth for Noah's dad because mm-hmm. and and it keeps being reinforced because Noah's dad didn't even remember that Noah was on the varsity baseball team in high school. Varsity. Right. This was like no dad I had tryouts. I had clearly been pa- playing baseball for my entire life and so so much so that it culminated in me making my high school varsity baseball team and you forgot that and then all of a sudden he starts like He's like, oh, yeah. And then remember all those times, like, la, 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 the, the, the baseball that you and your brother got, but your brother got the better one. Like, I, you know, all these things. And then he offers to throw the baseball with him. And I'm like, I, why do I care about this? I don't. Like, I don't care. Yeah. The only thing that I cared about in this is that, like, Noah keeps wanting to try and talk to his dad. And his dad calls him a kid who doesn't understand. Yeah. And I was like, I really – this is definitely 33 year old me being like no no you don't understand you're 22 and you live on a boat (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah then we go back to Noah's dad's office where he's sitting there the desk is completely empty all he has is a martini with three olives and he makes this big deal. He was like, anything less than three olives is a crime. You can tell the IRS that. Right. But he says he's swamped. He's clearly not. He's drunk alone in the office and there's nothing on his desk. And Noah's like, no, no, we can fight. We can do something. And he's like, I listed the boat. I took out another mortgage on the club. I can get you four or $500,000. 
And his dad's like, that's great. You can get that for your mother. Yeah. And Noah can't handle it. He's upset. He smacks his dad's martini. He tries to storm out. Um, I do personally think they should have reshot the scene where he tries to storm out because the stage door takes so much time to fling all the way open and then it so softly shuts. It just doesn't – it kind of takes you out of the mood for a second. Yeah, for sure. And then I'm um, like, why are we lingering with Noah at the elevators? Like, what's the point? And then, of course, like, what happens happens. And I'm like, oh, my God. There – okay, there has been so much gun violence yeah. in the past couple of episodes. Like, we had the whole thing with David. We've got yeah. Val re-experiencing her trauma with her dad. We've got Noah's dad now. And Noah has to run in and see it. Like, we get an insane – to me, shot of Noah running back in the room and his dad's feet underneath the desk. Yeah. And, and I was fully prepared for the episode to end here. I'm like, this is this is a good moment to end the episode, but no. Like, we still have one final scene, but I get, I guess my whole, like, to your point about the gun violence, like, I I don't I don't really understand it because to have repeat storylines or repeat traumas, it would have made much more sense if he got the Bill Taylor treatment and had gone to jail for some sort of financial crime instead of this end. You know what I mean? Which honestly is what I originally thought was going to happen. And we're even talking about how there were all of these signs that he was going to do something. I think yeah. you kind of saw that with Bill too where he wanted to throw that party for Kelly and he wanted to make amends with her and he wanted to bring his family together right. before he went away. And so, yeah, you kind of see that same thing happening here with Noah's dad, except with a much different outcome. And it, basically it seems like Noah I, – we don't even know what happened after this. We don't see him until the next day. He got a bottle of gin. He's been just taking swigs of gin – He's very drunk and sweaty and upset and hitting baseballs at that same diamond. And that's when yeah. Donna goes to find him. Yeah. And like Donna, apparently the way Donna found out was because Noah's dad's lawyer called, I guess the boat, you know, like maybe she went to the boat, saw a message on his machine, listened mm -hmm. to the message. I, You know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It's very much like. You found out. That's it. Like, you found out mm -hmm. somehow. And so Donna explains, like, I thought you might be here. You know, your dad's lawyer called. And I, Noah doesn't really process. I mean, how could he, right? Like, it's such a traumatic yeah. thing to do. And so he's just smacking baseballs, talking to Donna, found his Reggie, Jace, Reggie Jackson baseball that he was talking about earlier with his dad and just, like, hits it as far as he can. And that's it like it that's it, it felt really incomplete for for like this scene could have been easily had next episode I think it should have been I agree with you we probably shouldn't have continued the story from here because yeah then we can have him being at the baseball park and Donna being like everyone's looking for you right which also why would she think he'd be here this is just some random park that he and his dad drove to presumably yeah, like the only way she would have is if there had been a scene, you know, where Noah was all, I guess, happy 
explaining mm-hmm. to Donna, like, we made so much progress. You know, we went to the baseball park. We threw the ball. Like, it, you, you know, it felt like a turning point. Like, and mm-hmm. maybe that did happen in off Screensville, and, and that's what we're supposed to assume. But it was a leap to, to try mm-hmm. to just make us believe that Donna knew where to go find Noah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, all we see is that he – is traumatized. He is in the stage of not dealing with it where you just drink a bunch and cry. Right. And after he hits his baseball, yeah, that's it. It goes to executive producer, blah, blah, blah. And we'll find out next week how he handles it. Yeah. And like overall, like I, like I texted you guys, like it, there were some good moments, but then there were some horrible moments. And it doesn't make me feel good about Val's prospects for the rest of the season or even just, you know, like a act one of this this season. It doesn't make me feel good about Noah's storyline because obviously, like, he was already kind of a tumultuous guy to begin with. So seeing him go through, he's almost getting like a Dylan treatment here where mm-hmm. we talked about that. He's kind of a, a, a mix between Brandon and Dylan. So now he's on the more Dylan side of things right now. And then, of course, with the Sophie David steve situation like there's just a lot of stuff that we don't care about storyline wise and then there's a lot of stuff that has just been going horribly so i recall one of our listeners derek like telling us these last two seasons are hard to watch and i'm starting to understand why and it's (laughs) on episode two (laughs) yeah it's a shame it's a shame yeah i mean i will give it that at least we're getting serialized stories where like the things that happen each episode affect the future and like right. there there is a through line for everything except for the whole retconning of Val's entire history but we can just ignore that for now totally. but yeah I mean it was rough I watched it I I had opinions I thought everybody did the best with what they could we'll say that yeah that's a good point except for good point. except for when David was an MC. Yeah, except that. He <laughs> half-assed that one. <laughs> okay. So we know that you said that your quote is, you're not even a speck in my universe. It was between that and there was another Val quote. Um, let's see. Uh, it was between that one and, oh, the Carl would never abuse his authority. Well, that's a departure from type just because it was so Val. Like, I, you know, I don't I got nothing against Carl. Like, who who cares, quite frankly. But it was just such a Val quote that I was like, I have to write this down. The only thing I don't like about Carl is the fact that they thought we wouldn't notice that he was Joe's brother. Oh, totally. Like, we noticed. Come on, y'all. That wasn't even that long ago. It'd be one thing if he was a character back in season two. But no, it was like season six or something like that, or five. Like that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, yeah. My I had two other choices for quotes, and I'm gonna say one, and I'm gonna let Mary say the other. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of them we didn't even talk about it. With like, I held my tongue while we were in the fashion show. Because I just loved it so much. I wanted to give it its own moment at the end where Sophie just desperately wants to be so famous that when they see Kelly's wedding dress on the model, on the like mannequin, she's like, I bet it would fit me. And Janet immediately goes, "Um, there's no takers on your bet. Yes. And then it's silent. It was (laughs) silent. 
Can we like, have a Janet storyline, please? Like, we've been waiting. Honestly, she crushed everything she was in. It was this. <laughs> there was the scene where Steve asked about someone wanting to be friends, and she was like, oh, she's never going to have sex with you. Yeah. And then when she actually modeled in the show, and she was kind of giving me, like, Wonder Woman vibes with her clothes. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that mm-hmm. for sure. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say is, like, Janet is my MVP this episode, and that was the best quote. Yep. Yeah, so we also had um, Noah's dad with this banger line, uh, kids today, no respect for capitalism. It just, it was such a, and I guess, like, are, are they considered boomers? Or are they I, yeah. the ones I think Noah's, Noah's dad, I think is a he would be like early boomer, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the baby boomers have like the largest, largest yeah, ni- like range of years to nineteen sixty four. So, if Noah was born, let's say mid seventies, I think that yeah. works. Yeah, that would make his dad around thirty when he was born. That makes sense. Yeah, it like, and so my point was like such a boomer thing to say, like being a product such. of like their parents being the boomers it, like like it just it just fits so well like of course you would think that capitalism is the end all be all like perfect type of government like of course okay i did google ray wise the actor and he was born in 1947 so he is solidly at the top of the boomer range perfect perfect it's just so funny cuz like i feel like that might that has the potential to be a commonly used phrase in my own life where the, the popular phrase has been in this economy, whereas I would then replace it with Ugh, kids today. No respect for capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll be in the in circle that understands your joke. Everyone else will just be like, what is she doing? Yeah, right? Like, um, excuse me? <laughs> and then out in the wild, someone will be like, 90210, I get it. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my gosh. Well, is, okay. Is there anything else we want to say about this episode, or are we ready to move on to next week? Did we want to mention our comment on the last episode? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Y'all, we got an Instagram comment that last week not only was it cut from streaming but it was also cut from dvds to have this musical guest i've already forgotten his name duncan chic yeah and so yeah it turns out last week and i thought this i said it in the comment i thought that the episode seemed short it was only 42 minutes long instead of 44 but apparently they cut out duncan chic's performance and if you don't know who Duncan Sheik was, he was a pop singer in the 80s and 90s, but he's also a Broadway composer. Yeah. And he did uh, the American Psycho musical that came out. And he also did the music for the Spring Awakening revival, which absolutely changed my world when I was in high school. And I am just like so starstruck by the idea that I missed this. Like, yeah. come on. Well, and it's interesting too because like not only was like did he he was he ended up becoming more famous for his his work in musicals and things like that. Like it's just so funny that and when I say funny, I mean awful that we could just completely not know. You know, like there there's there's 
there was no sort of inkling, no evidence whatsoever to support that he had a song played in 90210 because it's completely left out of streaming and apparently DVDs. So there's no, like, unless we had lived it and seen it live or in syndication, there's no way we would have known, which is crazy. It blows my mind. Like, I don't understand how we could have fumbled this so badly as a society that we're just, like, cutting things. I mean, this is, like, the proto first steps towards what's happening now where they're creating these entire full movies and then shelving them without anybody seeing them even though they're testing well. This is, like, rather than just put this out there because it's part of the episode, it's great music, it gives people a chance to see this artist, we're just going to cut it so that we don't have to pay them and we don't have to bother with it. It's just wild and like I kind of now want to go back because if you look up Duncan Sheik on Wikipedia, you can see all of his film and television credits when it comes to like his songs that ended up being played and Beverly Hills 90210 is listed, literally says in 1998, Beverly Hills 90210 on screen, on credited episode the morning after so it's got receipts but yet if you were to check wikipedia fact check wikipedia and try to find it you'd be like no this is incorrect this is incorrect and now it makes me want to go back to party of five er um friends uh what a girl wants um glee girls the reboot of 90210 and go see if we actually get the pleasure of hearing Duncan Cheek. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if the reboot gets to keep their music or if they were just like, you know what? Nobody noticed in the old one. Just keep removing it. Right? Like, this makes me so mad for artists who work so hard to get their music played and then it just gets wiped from the zeitgeist. Well, yeah, and it makes me feel bad for people who have never gotten to experience these things. Like, yeah. I saw something the other day that, like, for the first time ever, Northern Exposure is available on streaming, Mm -hmm. and I don't know anything about that show other than people love it so much, Yeah, and that, like, if you see it, you will finally understand a whole bunch of references that are out in the zeitgeist, and I was like, yeah, but is it even going to be the original thing? Right. Because that's what we all say about 90210, and then they cut out all this stuff or reorder it or just, like, just let the art exist. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, if you know about other things that have been cut from episodes, definitely keep letting us know because I had a moment when I found out about that and like immediately went to my Broadway playlist. Yep. Crazy. Okay, so what's next week? All right, next week we have season nine, episode three, Dealer's Choice. Vegas? Again? Is that a good idea? Should we not? Let's... I mean, should we? Probably not. But does it make sense? Yeah. Now I'm worried about David. Right. Ooh, that's what I'm – that is the exact person I was thinking of. Like, you know, we've got some smaller concerns about other people. Let's not forget that Brandon technically has a gambling addiction. Right. But yeah. I'm worried about David. Especially since he's getting back into radio and I just don't want him to drink more meth juice. And Sophie is the kind of person that would just, like, go along with the party stuff. True. That's a good point, too. Yeah. She wants to be famous for being her. The way you do that is to start getting in tabloids in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out next week. 
And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at back to podcast. You can also send us over an email with any of these wonderful artists that get their streaming rights taken away and all that jazz at back to podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it all with your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and then we can give you all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go tell the IRS that anything less than three olives is a crime. I'm going to go be famous for just being me. I got to go get $5,000 in cash for my college for books, maybe? Bye. Bye. See ya.